Um, we're in Revelation 11. I'm super excited about next week, but I'm also super scared, afraid of next week. Um, we're coming to a place in 1 Peter, and we're coming to a place in Revelation that I've gained a new understanding. So I'm, I'm not real confident in teaching it, but I plan to read two or three different books and sections uh, about what's coming in Revelation 12, um, because uh, it is... It, it's, it's talking about a bigger and more hidden event. So is 1 Peter 3 and Revelation 12. They're both talking about something that we've been taught a certain way, and there is another uh, understanding of that that is not unbiblical. It's very biblical. And, uh, and, and also, um, just we've quit thinking that way. And uh, so I, I, I'm excited to share that with you. As you know, there, there's, like I said, a lot of revelation, and I don't know what is symbology in revelation, and even the books I like to read about revelation say, well, this is obviously symbolic too much. When you have to convince somebody that obviously this is symbolic, that means you're not sure of yourself. <laughs> you know, um, you know that, that's a technique. When you're not sure, you say, well, of course you agree with me that da-da-da-da-da. Well, no, I don't agree with you. You know, we have to be willing to think independently as we look at it and go, well, that's possible, but what if it is real? Um, do you know that's a great question to ask about anything that you think you believe or somebody teaches you? And I'll use a, a very non-dangerous situation. I, did I use this in here? I may have. I told this recently. When the last church that Janice and I, were, where we served, and I served as pastor, did I tell you all about this? We got there, and um, it, it was like this church. They built a building, and then they built another building, and then they built another building. It was three buildings, just basically like this. They were each one smaller than these. And uh, when we got there, the auditorium would seat around 300, and there was about 125 people there. And they had this little hall that barely two people could walk down, and there were two bathrooms in that hall. In the first building they ever built, there were two bathrooms, and that was it. And so when we got up to about 300, that's not enough. And, um, and so early on, I said, why have y'all not built? A the fellowship hall was about half the size of this room, and yet the auditorium would seat 300 people. You can't put 300 people in that. I, I'm not kidding. It was about that big. And, uh, and I said, why haven't you? They said, well, they won't let us. I said, what do you mean they won't let you? So, well, the city says if we build a new building, we're obviously going to have to build new bathrooms. And it will overwork the septic system we have because it was not a city septic system. It was a, what do you call it, what you got at home, a drain field, all that. Septic system, yeah, that's what you call it. Sorry, um, I was using that term, and I was thinking the other way. So they said, um, and the city said that the ground won't perk, you can't put a bigger one in, and you're, gonna, and you're gonna use it more, which doesn't make sense if you put 300 people in a 300-seat auditorium, or you put 600 people in two service in a, which is what we did, a 300-seat auditorium, you still got 600 people using that restroom. So it doesn't matter to me in my head. But they said, and so we can't build a bigger one, so we can't do it. First time I asked that question, that was the first answer I got. And then my first response, as soon as they said that, I said, well, if you could do it, how would you do it? And that's what I got. I got a, huh. And one guy in there thought that through. 
he started doing some investigation, and y'all, y'all probably already know the solution. They call it a Wisconsin mound, but, and they do that a lot now, and down there they do, because you go that deep in the dirt down in Suffolk, and you hit clay, and then there's holes all over the place where the water drains. So the saying down there is the drought starts the day after it quit raining. Because you either got a flood or you got dry ground. It was just really tough on the farmers. But um, so this guy investigates so we could do that, but we put it on the prayer list, bathrooms. It just said bathrooms. And we, we use that prayer list every week. And one guy in the church said, I've never seen bathrooms on a prayer list before. But guess what? Said he came back and said, um, hey, we're going to run sewage all the way out here, and we got to do it before we build this new highway we're going to put in over here. So would you guys be up for that? And we had already gone out of the city and petitioned them to do that. And so that's how we got bathrooms, and we built more buildings and had more bathrooms later. But we put it on prayer. So I always ask that question, well, if you could do it, how would you do it? Because you can do it. You know, my Janice last said, do you think we can do that? I said, if you've got enough money and time, you can do anything. Right? Now, do we have the money and the time? That's the problem. It's, it's not the can we do it. Of course you can do it. Can we afford it or do we have time to do it is a different one. So we, words mean something to me and that's why I over explain myself because I want to make sure I said it right. And sometimes I say so much I confuse everybody. So forgive me if I do that. You can call me down on it if I do. Um, so we're going to look at Revelation 11 tonight. And uh, uh, I mean, it's got enough verses in it, but it, it seems a little shorter. And, and I'm going, even though I have the questions that you have for that there, um, I'm, I'm just going to kind of go through the scripture. But before I do that, number one, let's pray. Um, Janice is uh, at our daughter's in South Carolina tonight, so um, she'll be coming home Tuesday. This is spring break for her, and uh, I, I couldn't afford the time, so I didn't get to go. But um, uh, anyway, so she'll be back Tuesday, and, uh, and then, um, well, let's just pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your word. Again, Lord, we are not smart enough to understand this or figure it out apart from the, your Holy Spirit teaching us. So we pray, Lord, that we would, we would uh, uh, know uh, what you want us to know tonight and that, uh, Lord, we'd be able to apply that in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the problems in, 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 in studying the book of Revelation is there doesn't seem to be as much immediate applicability in that book. I mean, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, any of the other books in the New Testament, of course, it's easy to apply. And and by easy, I mean, we can understand how to apply it pretty fast. Whether we do or not is another issue. But Revelation, because it is a, 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 a revelation from God to men, and... He's letting John see it and write it down, and John's writing what he's seeing in words he knows in a context that you and I aren't familiar with. Sometimes when we read it, we go, well, that's interesting, but what does that mean, you know, tomorrow when I go to work? Um, That's a question I ask myself every Sunday uh, leading up to Sunday, and uh, again, I'll throw my wife under the bus. She asks me that question a lot. I'll say, hey, here's my sermon, and she'll read it and go, yeah, what does that mean Monday morning? That's the question we always ask. And so if I can't tell her what it means Monday morning, it means I, I'm not ready. And, uh, and I have to think that through a little bit more. So um, Revelation, it, we have that difficulty there because it's something in the future. Plus, we know that uh, any, you, can, you can tell somebody something without telling them enough that they can fully understand it. 
And, and um, in some ways, I, I, that's probably an inadequate way to say that, but in some ways, that's how I feel. So when John is describing, oh, that, that was the other part, is his context, he knows stuff that was written in the 400 years leading up to the New Testament that we, you and I have never read. And the Jewish people of their day understood it. They knew that. So when he mentioned it, it was there. I said this a few weeks ago, um, and somebody thought I was studying like extra biblical books to get my meaning of revelation. I didn't, John did. John said it, and, and the commentator just said he's referring to this. In 12, he's quoting out of that book. Um, so, uh, so that's why I said it's kind of interesting that, it, that it's there. And it seems like they took that as, at least the parts they used, they took that as truth. It doesn't say everything in that book is true, but at least the parts they use, we can say, well, it must have been true or they wouldn't have used it. So we look in 11, we get the two witnesses. And man, who are these guys, right? So the question I want to ask, do you have some questions that you have having looked at these questions on chapter 11? Sorry. Nobody? Nobody's come up with questions? I, I want to encourage you to, to, I can give you the questions to help, th help you think, um, at least to see the facts that, are, that we can discern just from the face value of the text. So, so I want you to do that, and if you go, what in the world is this? Well, the two witnesses is one of those. What in the world is this? And there are a lot of opinions out there what it might be. But he says, uh, then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. But do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. So there's an introduction to a lot of stuff that we don't know. What temple is this? Where is this temple? Why is, why is verse 1 so interesting? Okay. Yeah, because they knew how big the temple was, right? So why is he measuring it? I mean, you can just look in the Bible and see what the measurements were supposed to be. Is that me? Is that my beard hitting it? It's just static? I'm not wearing anything wool today. Oh, is it rubbed? The cotton does that? Okay. Well, I will go ahead and take it off. It is kind of warm in here, y'all. Why, why, what, why do you think verse 1 might be interesting? Where was he at the end of chapter 10? Where was John standing at the end of chapter 10? And at the end of chapter 10? Okay, so, so if the angel's standing on the sea and land, where's the angel standing? And where is... 
He's, he, uh, he's standing on the earth, right? Probably. And he reads a scroll. Well, in, in 11.1, some people might think this, this is in heaven. John, in these chapters, John switches between heaven and earth real fast. And as we look at it, it'll get that, that way. But he asked him to, read, to, to measure the, uh, what is there, the temple of God, and the altar, and those who worship there. He left something out. There's two altars in the temple. So which altar is it? There's an altar of incense and an altar of sacrifice. And one is, one is missing. He doesn't say which one. Now which one do you think is missing? If this is a heavenly temple, yeah, because Jesus already sacrificed, right? But later on, what is happening in this temple to make you think this is a temple on earth? Yeah, the nation is going to trample it. Now, um, he tells him not to measure it because the nations are going to trample it. You know, uh, uh, there's only men could, only Jewish men could go into the, the worship area. The women had another place, and then those of us who are not physical Jews have to go out to another place. So that's kind of the order of importance. So if you're a Jewish woman, at least you can get halfway there. But if you're a Gentile, you're all the way out of, of everything. So in this, he doesn't even measure uh, the Gentile court. But how long will Gentiles trample? Uh, it says they'll trample the holy city. Um, how long will they do that? Okay, what is that in years? Three and a half years. And he also uses a, another time designation of days. And uh, if you divide that by roughly 30 or whatever, guess how long that is? Three and a half years. So the only time reference we ever get in the book of Revelations, I believe, is three and a half years. We never get a seven-year designation. I'm not sure where, uh, well, I do know where people get that. Um, so, again, don't make the Bible say what it's not saying. It, it's saying three and a half years. So, we have this, this temple being measured. And in, in this instance, giving it over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city. Um, without reading too much into that, what we are going to come up on in chapter 12, toward the end of it, and then chapter 13 is who is the one that's going to desecrate that temple? The temple that will be, has to be rebuilt at some point if it's on earth, right? Because there's no temple there. What is, what is in the place of the temple in Israel right now? Where that temple stood, what stands there now? It's not a temple. Yeah, the Dome of the Rock. It is the second, second most holy site, third most holy site in Islam. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, there's, there's, a, there's a Muslim temple, Golden Dome, on the temple site. What is left of the last temple, the Herod's temple there? You, you hear about it. It's got a nickname. Yeah, yeah, the praying wall, the wailing wall. The, uh, uh, is it the western wall of the temple? I can't remember. Um, you can go there. Uh, I got to go there when we went uh, several years back now. And um, you can go there, and as a man, I could put on a yarmulke, and as long as I had on long sleeves and stuff, we could, uh, Steve and I went into 
uh, along that wall where, where you could, there was a spot where you could lean and look down. They had glass. You couldn't touch anything. But if you looked down, they told you how far down it was. You were looking at the rocks Solomon, the stones Solomon used way down there. They know they're there. Well, um, oh man, we're recording this. Um, you can look at the news that's going on in Israel. No, it's fine. You can look at the news going on. This is public information, so I can say this part. Um, it's going on in Israel. You and I don't hear it much. Uh, I would, if you got an iPhone or a, a smartphone and you want to download the Jerusalem Post app, you might learn more. The current Prime Minister of Israel got elected by the Orthodox Jews. Um, they're meaner than radical Muslims. They're the only people that ever uh, beat up people we know that have been there. Um, the Muslims are extremely nice to you, but they are not. Um, there, there are radical Muslims, there's radical Jews, there's radical Christians. Everybody's got a radical group that, that have lost their mind. Well, um, so the radical Jews got this guy elected. Every year, you're going you're gonna to hear it this year. If, if you haven't seen it already, I don't know if news of it's come out, but it will come out. It'll be there. There'll be a group of rabbis that are going to petition the government to let them sacrifice a lamb at the Temple Mount. And that's not going to happen, obviously. But they do that every year. They want that temple back. To do that temple, they got to tear down the mosque. Now, if you think we went through a 20-year war, can you imagine if the nation, the Jewish nation, tears down the Islamic third most holy site in their religion to put up their most holy site, whoo, we got a fight on our hands, right? It's going to be, it's going to be something. So um, they, are, they are clamping down on uh, those who would share Jesus with, with Jewish people in Israel. It's going to be, I forgot the, the, the sentence you would get for proselytizing a child or an adult. It's like twice as much for a child as it is for an adult, but it's like, I don't want to exaggerate, but it's several years. It's not just like, oh yeah, you got to pay a fine and you know you go to jail for a year. It's years if you if they catch you witnessing to a Jewish person. They're about they're trying to pass that. It hadn't been passed yet, but that's so they are getting more radical about their their uh, Jewish their Jewish religion in Israel right now. You got the Dome of the Rock there. The city is divided. Jerusalem is divided. Half of it's Muslim, half of it is Jewish. Um, so there's been an uncomfortable truce there for, well, since the Jewish people went back and, and took it over. They, they are doing a lot of things that by their own laws they shouldn't be doing, but they are. They, they, they want it to be totally Jewish. They don't want all of us that aren't Jewish there. Um, and that's a, that's a blanket statement. And you know, so that's never 100% true, but you get what I mean. The government, there are people there that, that's what they're striving for. So here we have a, a passage that there's going to be a temple there. And a lot's going to happen. We'll see more of that later. But right now, he's telling him to measure it. And what's going to happen when that happens, there's going to be two witnesses, and he's going to give them authority. Now, have you read any or, or have you got any ideas or maybe you've heard, well, who do you think these two witnesses are? Okay, I've, I've heard Elijah and Moses. Have you heard any others? 
Why Moses and Elijah, by the way? Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's one reason. And why were they, and the reason I'm thinking of is the same reason we think they might have been on the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, well, we'll just, I'll, I'll stop there. What do those two guys represent more than any other two guys in history? Yeah, the prophet and the law. Uh, Elijah was the greatest prophet. He didn't write any books. Isaiah probably wrote the best book. Um, there's, they're all good, by the way. Um, but, uh, and then Moses was the lawgiver. He is at the pinnacle, in case you've never been to Washington and looked at the Supreme Court building, on the front and the back are all the great lawgivers of history in a relief carved up there. And at the pinnacle on both the back and the front is Moses. He is the greatest lawgiver ever. And, you know, uh, I learned that when they were trying to get Ten Commandments out of all the public buildings. It's like, well, you got to go to Washington and tear down the Supreme Court building then. Because that's, that's how that works. Um, so some people say that. What else could it be? That, that it could be. Could it? Let me ask this. Do you think God would send Moses and Elijah back in a human body, and there's a reason I say it that way, we'll look at that in a minute, to be two witnesses? The, the question is, is it, could God do that? Yes, he could. Do you think he might do that? Would he do that? There's no wrong answer to that question. I just don't know if you ever thought about it. To talking about Jesus, yeah. Oh, you know what? And I think I said this. I, I believe, yeah, when I was preaching on the uh, prayers of Jesus in, in Luke, we talked about the transfiguration. And Peter, being very Jewish, said, Lord, it's good to be here. We got Moses and Elijah. Let's build some tents and just stay here. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son. Hear him. Not the law and the prophets. Hear Jesus. That, that's a very, it was very subtle. I never thought about that till very recently. Um, but that, that is God saying, hey, I gave you the law and prophets. They have a reason, they have a place, but you got to listen to Jesus. What does it say in Hebrews 1? God in many times, in many ways, in many places, spoke through the prophets in many different ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. And there's a whole passage describing him. Who sat down. So Jesus came, he gave us the word of God, then he sat down. Um, so uh, who, who else could these guys be? If God wanted to do that, he could, but it would be kind of, it would be amazing, and they would have two new bodies, and the reason I said it's going to, it gets a little complicated, because by the end of the chapter, those two guys die. But what happens to their body when they die? Do y'all remember? Did you read the book, the chapter? Yeah, well, they're going to be martyred, yeah. They are going to be put to death. Yeah, they, they could be any... It wouldn't be as impactful, but it could be. It could be any... If, sorry, if we open the door that it's two guys that have already been a witness and died, God could send any two back. I mean, it could be Billy Graham, who knows? <laughs> I, I don't think it would be, by the way, I'm just saying um, so any possibilities open if we say that. Um, but these two will die and they'll lay in the streets for how long? 
Three days. Kind of interesting. Uh, how long was Jesus in the tomb? Three days. And then he just <laughs> brings them to life, takes them to heaven. All right? Uh, and so that's, if you believe like me, that's before the rapture. And if you believe the other way, it's after the rapture. But they get their own little private rapture, these two guys do. Um, but they're dead when they get raptured. All right. Um, let, me, let me ask it this way. What if these aren't two guys? What could it be? What if it's not two human beings? What could the two witnesses be? Now, I'm not saying it's not because it talks to them. It gives them, it's very, um, I'll just throw a big word out there just so you think I'm smart. It's very anthropomorphic. There's <laughs> definitely, it sounds like two guys. But because people conjecture a bunch of stuff, I'm just throwing out all these conjectured things uh, just for fun tonight. So what else could it be if it's not two guys? Two witnesses of Christ. I mean, that's their job. They're going to witness for, about Christ for, well, could be angels. But can, I've often wondered, do angels die? Because they're going to be killed, but they'll be raised back up. So I don't know. It could be evangelist. But what if, it's not, if, what if it's not a physical body? What could it be? What if it's not someone in a physical body? And that would make them dying and be laying in the street for three days and the whole world seeing them makes it very odd. I'm just, I'm just telling you crazy things people come up with. But there are two witnesses that, well, there's more than two, that, that we have that aren't humans. I'm, I'm, I'm carefully using terms here so that I don't have to back up and say, oh, well, that's not quite right. Is the Bible not a witness of Christ? Okay. Is the church a witness of Christ? Yeah, now it's made up of people. Uh, is the Holy Spirit a witness of Christ? He is the witness of Christ, right? He, and he fills anybody that's a witness of Christ to witness of Christ. Now, I don't think any of those things are this. I don't, I don't know if it's two guys. I don't know what two guys it might be, but I do my personal belief, and it's just where my brain settles, not saying it's right, is it's two men of some sort. I don't know who they are. Um, but isn't it interesting, they witnessed for three and a half years. I never thought about that much till this time through. Every time I go through Revelation, something else comes out. I go, wait a minute, I never thought about that. Never thought about, I, I, when I first heard this, it was like they pop up, they, man, they're just going like great guns and then they kill them. But this says it was three and a half years. Now, what it's going to look like going forward in Revelation, we, we've lined up all these judgments. It gets really bad between now and Jesus coming back, right? So if, if you believe uh, that the rapture comes before the tribulation, you believe that whole system of thought, this happens in the middle, and you've got three and a half years left. So these guys witnessed in the first half, and then they're killed, and then you've got all this bad stuff coming. Um, I think these guys are just going to die just before Jesus comes back. And they go on up before the rest of us. The Bible does say the dead in Christ rise first. Was he talking about these two witnesses? Or is he talking about all the martyred saints of all time? Um, I, I don't know. But 
it, they, they uh, gave a th that he gives authority to the two witnesses and they prophesy. Well, here's, here's another question I got about these two guys. Why didn't they kill him before three and a half years? If there's such a pain in the authority side, why'd they let him go for three and a half years? I mean, you would think if that's really annoying to an evil ruler, he'll take them out quicker. Let me ask you a question. This back to Moses and Elijah. Was, was Elijah a problem to any kings that you can think of? Yeah, his was about three and a half years. So is it symbolic of other times when people were witnesses? And, and it's sort of like they remove all the witness of Christ. Here's something just, this is very, um, not super spiritual, but just, can you imagine in the 1800s reading that these witnesses, the whole world sees them? How does that happen? Now, you know, in your lifetime and mine, we've gone from, um, I mean, television was invented just before I was born. I mean, it wasn't that long before I was born. We had, a, we had a black and white TV till I was pretty old, and my uncle had more money than we did, so he had a color TV. So Thanksgiving, I'd walk the two blocks to go look at the Thanksgiving parade in color at his house as a little kid, right? <laughs> I, I, I remember they came on the TV. Next week, Daniel Boone will be in living color. I was so excited, and then my parents said, we don't, you got to have a color TV. It's still going to look black and white to us. Oh, I was so disappointed. I was so excited to get to watch Daniel Boone in living color. That didn't happen. Um, <laughs> sorry. That was just a silly thing. We could not even conceive. And now, um, where did I put my phone? phone's in my coat. I can call Justin in Africa right now, and it won't cost me a dime. Hey, how you doing? He can turn it. We can turn our phones on and he can show me anything in Africa right now. And he wouldn't want to, it's the middle of the night, but he could. Three days, the whole world's going to see him laying dead in the street. That's going to be big news. Worldwide, we finally got these guys. And nobody's going to touch them, just going to leave them there for three days. And it may just be, uh, you know, I appreciate what Donna said, it may be, symbolically, God does this to say, just like Jesus was three days, these guys will be three days. Um, it, it could be that. It could be, I take it literally unless there's a reason not to. So I, I think literally it's two guys. I, any, any guess at who they are, anybody that says who they are is guessing because the Bible doesn't tell us. It's just two witnesses. Um, but let me ask you this. Who... Who was John the Baptist in prophetic language? I should shave. Yeah, he was Elijah. Was he Elijah? No, he's John the Baptist. But God prophesied before the Messiah comes, Elijah will come, preaching repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus told the disciples, that was him. That was Elijah. Um, that, he, that, that he came in the spirit of Elijah. So these two guys may be Joe and Harry that come in the spirit of Moses and Elijah or come in the spirit, you know, just the spirit of Christ, uh, which is obviously going to be in the spirit of Christ. 
So we don't know who they are, but this is an interesting little subpoint that if we're here, we'll know. If we're not here, we'll know anyway, but we'll get to see it from a different perspective, right? Because if you're here or there, you'll get, to, you'll get to see all of this. All right. Go ahead. Yeah, he calls it a war. I mean, when it's done, they're giving presents to each other. It's a, it's, you know? Second Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> or Hanukkah. They'll rejoice on them and make merry with sweet presents. So, you know, this isn't just two mass children. Yeah. And, and who is, what's another name for the beast? Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, will he be in a physical body? The, 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 the Antichrist, the, the beast, yeah, he's the Antichrist. And there's a false prophet as well, so there's those two, and Satan makes up that unholy trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Satan, the beast, I mean, yeah, the beast and the false prophet. So, also an unholy trinity. Um, because the false prophet is one that brings the beast back from the dead and blah, 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 does all that. Just like the Holy Spirit did for Christ, he completed all the works that Christ did. All right, look at verses 4 on, gives us more hints. So, I, I was just getting you to think out loud, but there are two, these are the two olive trees. Well, wait a minute. The two. Whenever you use the word the, um, <laughs> Uh, we were discussing something the other day, and I said, it says the, so it's got to be the one. It's not any of one, right? If it's the word the there, it, or, you know, we say the like this, but the, if it's the olive tree, then everybody knows which olive tree you're talking about, except we don't. <laughs> you and I don't. But, I mean, it's very specific. So what are the two olive trees? It's in the, it's in the epistles. And to say two olive trees isn't quite right. So I'll give you that hint. It's in Romans 10, maybe? 11? 9, 10, or 11. I have to go back and look. But What is the first olive tree? What's the original olive tree? It's the people of Israel. What, who is the second olive tree? He cut off the branch of the Jews, and what did he graft in? He grafted in the spiritual children of Abraham, which are you and I, so that the original olives have to come in in the graft now. They can't come in as Jews. They have to come in through Christ. So could it be, again, the law and the prophets, Christ, New Testament, Old Testament? Could it be the Jewish witness of the coming Messiah and the Christian witness that he came. All of these things are true about what they're doing. We don't know exactly who they are. But all of that can enter into this because they are the two olive trees, right? And by the way, when I read a commentary like I did and like I do, 
Um, this guy gives a thousand references in the Old Testament to, to olive trees, right? And I don't write any of them down, and I can't remember one of them right now. But in the psalm, what does it say? Uh, and, um, in, does Psalm 1 say, I'll be like an olive tree planted or just a tree planted by the rivers of water? Yeah, tree. But it does, um, I'm like a tree, like a tree, like a green olive tree. Uh, there, there's a psalm that says that, and I only remember it because of the song. Um, in the house of the Lord. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We will dwell in the house of the Lord. So it is symbolic of the people of God, an olive tree. And this says these are the two olive trees. So I don't know exactly what John knew that he expected everybody to know when he said that, but I don't know. I'll have to go back and look, and if you call me on it next week, hopefully I will have remembered to look that back up. And the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. So somebody said, could it be angels? Was that you, Donna, as well, that said about angels? Somebody said it could be angels. Oh, it was Pete. I knew it came from that side. Um, so could it be two angelic beings that come and witness? Maybe. These are two that stand before the throne, the throne of Yahweh or the Lord of the earth. Um, and if anyone would harm them, fire comes from their mouth and consumes their foes. Where did we ever see fire come out and consume the foes of God? Elijah on the mount, right? Mount Carmel, right? Um, where where um, people we know since it's recorded who used to live over there, the first place they used to live, you could stand on their porch and look at Mount Carmel. That was pretty cool. Uh, he said, see that? So yeah, he said, that's Mount Carmel. Wow, really? It's pretty awesome. Right, so, um, so fire came out and, and, and killed them. Um, and this is how he is doomed to be killed. Um, they have the power, verse 6, to shut the sky so no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. Who did that? Elijah did that. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague. Who did that? Moses. No one knows noses like Moses knows noses. Sorry, y'all. Sorry. I need to. Sh I know, I know. Sorry. If you're listening to this recording later, that was my. Facial hair that needs to be trimmed, I guess. I'm going to move it now so it's going to pop a little bit. There we go. Maybe that's better. All right, because when I look down, it doesn't. I've got to hold my Bible up. All right, so, uh, so we're, we're seeing similarities of Moses and Elijah. Um, and he can do it as often as he desires to do it, which is pretty neat. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. So for three and a half years, they're being a witness. And then, so that is one reason that some people might would say that it was not just two physical guys. It is the church and the word of God witnessing for, for this time. And now the beast comes out to make war on them. Because guess what's going to happen in chapter 12? We're going to see the beast, the, the dragon making war on the saints. But this is the beast. This is the Antichrist doing it. So this looks more political and, and on earth. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city. And what's the great city? Jerusalem, 
that is symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt. Why would he call Jerusalem Sodom and Egypt? Right. So, thinking that way, what she just said, what was the great sin of Sodom? And think very generally, not, not specifically, generally. One word that would describe the main sin that we know of of Sodom, and, I, and not the weirdest one, just in general. Any sin like that, we would say, is starts with an A and ends in ultury, right? Yeah, adultery, right. So anything outside of God's plan being adultery, that's the great sin of Sodom. Because what they did was definitely outside the will of God. The great sin of Egypt is they served a bunch of other gods. Now Sodom served other gods as well. In case you don't know it, the gods of the Canaanites, the gods of the Egyptians, the god of the Greeks, the god of the Romans, and the gods of the Vikings, and even some, uh, some tribes in North America are all the same God. They're all the same false gods. Okay, there are false gods. They exist. They are symbolized with statues and all that, but every culture has had them, and because they are, they're real. Well, next chapter, we may start learning where they come from, but they are real. And here it says, so Jerusalem has gone after, remember I told you that all uh, when in the revelation, when he shows spiritual um, betrayal of God, he calls it adultery. So it, it, it does not necessarily mean the physical sexual sin. It means you have rejected God and you're cheating on God with other gods. So Sodom and Egypt cover that. It's another God and you're cheating on the true God. Okay, the real God, the, the, the supreme God. Um, so, it, what, a, what an insult, though, for Jerusalem. I mean, this is like slap your grandma bad. I mean, this is, this is bad, bad, bad for him to say that. So, God, um, uh, God's really angry with, with the city that should have been preaching the gospel, um, but rejected their own Messiah where the Lord was crucified. Just in case you didn't think he was talking about Jerusalem, where the Lord was crucified. He wants to make sure you got it. Yeah, I'm insulting Jerusalem. That's right. Yeah, come at me, brother. That's right. I'm not about Jerusalem. He is, because this is, how dare you? I mean, like I'm telling you, those Orthodox Jewish guys over there now, they would, man, they're going to drop everything they're holding and fight you if you were to insult Jerusalem like this. You walked up and said, man, this place is Sodom and Egypt. Whoo, it's on, man. He might, kill, he might literally kill you. Yeah, you may not make it out alive. And John just says, symbolically, this is Sodom and Egypt. That's how bad they are. This is a, uh, so it's going to get really bad there. How, what does that look like? I don't know, but we, we see this coming because of this. For three and a half days... Some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies. And notice it says some will. Doesn't say every, so he's, the Bible is usually very precise. Not everybody around the whole world will look at a TV and see it. 
but some from every tribe and nation will see it. So, it's good. in other words, the whole world will have the opportunity to see it, at least. Um, will gaze on their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. Um, how many, how many of y'all remember, uh, and, and I know that a guy from that lives close by here, um, but, but you remember, uh, Somalia, uh, when that happened and, and what did we see on TV? They, they, they dragged our, the dead bodies of our soldiers and desecrated them and hung them somewhere from a bridge or something. And you, you, that, that kind of ticks off Americans. Right, we're gonna go get those boys and we're gonna make you pay the ones that did that. Um, uh, Iraq shot one of our clones down, not even a person shot what clones, what drones. One of our drones down, uh, it came, it flew out of Syria, but it was a Iraqi drone. So we leveled where they shot it from. I don't know if you noticed that news, and so we sent some missiles over there and it's like, they're gone, right? It's just, it's just done. Um, can you imagine how angry God is going to be about this? They're going to refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. They want to desecrate them. They want them to look. They want to say, see, we got them, and we're not going to hide them. We're not going to fancy them up, and so you can look at them, and they look pretty. And those who dwell on the earth, as Pete was saying there, verse 10, are going to rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. Why were they a torment? Yeah, and and the next chapter is all about spiritual warfare. I'm just going to go ahead and give you that hint too. Have you heard baby language that sounds like that today in our country? that they get angry, that they are tormented by these two witnesses talking about Jesus. Have you heard any language similar to that today? Yeah. What do they call it today? Getting triggered. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's hate speech. You're triggering me. How dare you? How dare you talk about Jesus to me? You know, it's hard for us. I'm telling you, I mean, those of us in this room, by and large, uh, we grew up in a cultural Christianity uh, culture uh, where even people who didn't like Jesus would be nice to you. <laughs> no more. That is no longer the America we know, by the way. When I was a, a kid in high school, I, I, I carried my Bible with me from fifth grade on. Start in fifth grade, because why, why did I start in fifth grade, Tom? You know, because Gideon gave me a New Testament. So I carried that New Testament with me the rest from, from then on. And so I was 10 then when I turned 13 and we got that Texas evangelist. Um, I, start, I, I should have brought that Bible in here. I didn't think about this till just now. But I have this really big Cambridge King James. I carried that all the way through seminary. But I carried it. And when uh, any time you saw me, I had a physical Bible right there. And I could do anything with that thing stuck there. And it was with me all the time. And my high school, uh, y'all, y'all remember the riots of the early 70s um, and late 60s? Um, yeah, well, we had those. And uh, 
my sister and brother-in-law were there when we had physical riots on our campus. Well, I only saw one in my years there. A um, good friend of mine, he saw a big one at his high school. And it was racial, uh, most of it. Um, but he, uh, this, this friend of mine I'm thinking of, he, 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 be, he became a Christian. If you've gone to see Jesus Revolution, all that was happening in, in our church, in our area. And so this guy was one of those that got saved in that revival. And so he just went and he started preaching the gospel at his at his high school, and he told he came one day. He said, "Man, we had a riot break out, and it was in the cafeteria." And said, "Food's flying, tables are being thrown." He says, "Go in there." He said, "What'd you do?" He said, "I just stood in the middle and watched." He said, "None of it ever touched me. I just watched it go around me because we just figured God would protect us. We were so crazy back then uh, that we just trusted the Lord wouldn't let us get hurt." But, but, but where where I'm going is. I grew up, what I was going to say is in my high school, and I carried this big black Bible, so I would occasionally get some guy, uh, and it was, it was usually a different race than me, um, and he would, he would like curse me and like I'm going to beat you up or something like that. I had these football playing, I was, by the way, 5'3 and 85 pounds, all right, so let's, let's get there. I was about this tall, and I had like 100 pounds less body weight back then. I don't weigh 180, but about 160 right now. And I had these big football playing black guys that would step between me and them, say, you see that man carrying that Bible? You leave him alone. And these guys weren't Christians because they had a respect because their grandma's gonna whoop them if they let me get whooped, right? That's what I grew up in. But now, you, you can't wear that t-shirt. You can't carry a Bible. You can't talk about Jesus. Yes, you can, legally. But we let society intimidate us. These two guys aren't going to be intimidated by anything. The whole world hates them, and they're still witnessing. If it's two guys. And, and it very well could be. It might be something else. And, and notice what he calls them uh, there in verse 10. Those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and exchange presents, because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. Let's, let's get a New Testament understanding of a prophet here, okay? An Old Testament prophet, God spoke to him, and he spoke to the people, and then he wrote it down. A New Testament prophet, God spoke to him through the word, and then he said it to the people. A prophet is not somebody that tells the future. A prophet is someone who proclaims the word of God. Okay? That's what prophet means, to tell forth, but it also could mean to foretell. So that's where we get the idea of prophecy, and sometimes we get confused. We see the word prophet. Oh, well, he can tell the future. Maybe, but maybe not. I, I can tell the future. I, I'll do it right now. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. If you do know Jesus, you're going to heaven. That's true. I've just told you what the Bible says. So I have just become a prophet. Okay? So we understand there's a gift of prophet and all of that. They hear, they understand God's word, they say it. And these guys will have that special gifting of something that maybe we've never even seen before on a level we've never witnessed. And the world hates them. And they're going to lay there. Uh, they're not going to be buried. Um, and then verse 11 but after three and a half days, a breath of life from God enters them, 
And they stood up on their feet, and great fear fell on them who saw them. Well, you think? <laughs> where is another time where it says the breath of God entered someone and he rose to his feet? It literally says the breath of God entered him. Well, there's several places. Go back as far back as you can think. Adam, yeah. He made him out of clay, and then God breathed into him. Yeah, you think? Yeah. Yeah, it's not like, oh, they're dead. Oh, maybe not. They got up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something a lot more dramatic. Well, and that's what I always said about Paul getting stoned, because you don't just throw rocks at a guy till he passes out. You crush his head with a big rock at the end. And then Paul just pops up and goes, well, let's go back to the city. And, what? He should have had a TBI. He shouldn't. If, if he survived it, he should have a TBI and nothing. He just, like, gets up and goes. So, yeah, this is extremely dramatic. Um, and God just breathes back life back into them. Um, I, I was thinking about the Valley of Dead of Dry Bones. Uh, that's another place the breath of God whoosh, sweeps down. First, flesh comes on them and all that, but they're still not alive, and then God's wind blows. Um, Vance Havner said um, um, that at Pentecost, the breath from God came blowing through there, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Today we have air conditioning, and we've mistaken that. For the power of God. Um, anyway, he said that back in the 60s at the Southern Baptist Convention. He said back then, if the Holy Spirit left this convention, nobody would notice. Um, verse 12, then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies watched them. This is why some people believe it could be the church. Because the church ought to be a witness and we're preaching the word of God, which ought to be a witness. We're mutilated, destroyed, martyred, and then God brings us to life and calls us out, and they know the end is coming. So is that, that could be an interpretation of this, not saying it is, because I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, won't, I can't say that enough. And at that hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. 7,000 people were killed. It's kind of an odd number, but seven, I keep seeing repeated. Seven is a number of completeness. I, I never thought that, but... The, I keep seeing it, so it must be true. Um, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. So, so lost people are going, wow, this was God. Um, and the second woe is passed. Behold, the third woe is soon to come. So there's a woe coming, and that's the rest of the chapter. Man, we're way past time. So let me jump and keep going. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. So now we come to that seventh trumpet. We looked at a paper on it. We've done a lot about it. And there were loud voices from heaven. Now, now notice that. That looks like it could be a type of a rapture or it could be the rapture. These two witnesses could be the church and the word of God being preached by the church. And then the trumpet blows. And the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. And according to Handel, that's the big ending, right? Uh, uh, I love that song, that music. And 
the 24 elders who sit on the thrones, their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign, began, began to reign, begun to reign. The nations raged. Psalm 2, is it? And your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within the temple, within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. Seventh trumpet. Looks like the seventh seal, looks like the seventh bowl, it's the end of time. But now he's going to back up and he's going to tell you some more and come back to this again. So remember, and, and I never thought about this till I was reading for last week, that just because you say it's about to happen doesn't mean, when did God, do you remember when God told Nebuchadnezzar what was going to happen to him? When he said, look at what, all, you know. And, and he had a dream, and what was the fulfill, was fulfilling the dream is you're gonna, God's going to judge you and you're going to walk around for however many years like a beast, right? Then how long was it before that happened? Five years, two years. It says two years later, he's walking around going, look at everything I built, I'm the man. And wham, then God's prophecy happened. Just because God said it this time, unless he says it's going to happen right now, when, what did Jesus say as he left? What did the angel say to the guys standing there with their jaws slacking the gate, looking up into heaven? What did the angel say? The same Jesus you saw taken up is going to come back. And he'd go to Jerusalem and get busy. And ever since then, we've been, is it today? Is it today? Is it today? You know, we're looking for it. Well, he's been gone two days according to his timetable. A thousand years like a day, so he's been gone two days. It's not that long. He'll be back. Hang in there. You know, but he said he's coming back. And so what, how do we say that? We say, you can take it to the bank. He is coming back. Just we don't get to know when. But he will come back. All right? So as we read Revelation, sometimes we read it and we expect everything to happen right then. There may be a time period that, yeah, all that's going to happen, but, it's, but there will be, it doesn't just happen instantaneously. It will be time for all that to unfold. Because notice he said the righteous will be judged, the, the, the wicked will be judged, I'm uh, going to have a banquet that's in there. Even the lost people are glorifying God. Did you notice that? Where's another reference for that? Yeah. Yeah. We, nobody preaches on that. When Jesus died, the graves opened and dead people came out and talked about Jesus. But I'm thinking of something else. There's a Bible verse that says something about... It doesn't say every Christian will confess Jesus as Lord. It says every tongue will confess Jesus as Lord. That includes dogs and horses and whales. They all got tongues, right? He didn't say every human tongue. He said every tongue. I, 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 okay, here's one of my weird, my weird beliefs. I believe before uh, the fall, at least, if not before the flood, animals could talk. We could communicate with them. We know they can to do that because at least one of them talked in the Bible. In Revelation, we see angels, I mean, uh, 
eagles screaming out and talking in, in, a, in a human voice. So uh, a donkey talked to Balaam. So they have the power of speech. They communicate to each other, and sometimes vocally. Um, not every time, but sometimes vocally. So it, it's probably possible. I, I mean, the Bible didn't say they can or did. Uh, I just, again, that's one of my weird, like, you know, I think they can. Because Eve didn't go, whoa, that was a dragon talking to me. He just talked to her, and she just thought it was, yeah, they do that. So when did they lose that? Was it after the garden? I don't know. Was it only in the garden they could? I don't know. Um, but we read Revelation, and I think the end of time is going to look a lot like way back then. I think a lot of weird stuff's going to happen. We're going to be going, what in the world? Because you read Revelation, you go, what in the world? And then we start thinking about, wait a minute, we've seen this before. We just have forgotten it because it was so long ago and so far away. And we don't, it doesn't, the miracles of God come in sections in the Bible. And this is going to be a time of great miracles in Revelation. And so we kind of forget that God's going to do big, he does miracles every day, doesn't he? But everybody's going to see big miracles in those days. So let's get ready. Let's pray. Sorry to hold you up. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. You are the awesome God. Uh, Lord, uh, there is no way we can understand everything in your word, not just revelation, uh, because you've got to help us to understand it. So I pray, Lord, that indeed you would give us the understanding uh, and, and that we'd apply this. Lord, we know that we ought to be witnesses. We can apply that for sure. That we ought to be bold to speak your name to those who need to hear it and, and not be concerned about their reaction uh, other than we pray that they would respond to you in a positive way. Uh, so Lord, may we be bold no matter if we're threatened or not. Uh, give us the grace uh, that we would uh, be a witness for you wherever we go and that we would, we would use your word to witness uh, for that that is the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, this written word that you've given us. We know you because of your word, and we know your word because of you. And so we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for coming. God bless you. Like I said, next week gets weird, so just get ready for that. You're going to look at me like a, I grew an extra head or something.